0: Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I'm Leila Nahavandi, your host, and my very special guest today is Dr. David Campbell. Welcome, David. How are you?
1: I'm not too bad, thank you.
0: (laughs) It's so good to see you. And Dr. David Campbell is the Pope in residence at Theos University. Uh, He is Uh, Just an absolute genius. We all love him so much. I'm sure many people who are watching um, have taken many of his courses, um, has done a lot of study, extensive study in theology, also produced a number of books, published a number of books, which we will share more about at the end if you want to know more about um, David and his ministry. And his wife, Elaine, Um, they have also just served the church in many different areas, leading churches, pastoring churches for many years. And at the moment, he's helping to um, lead a church in Michigan as well. So he's uh never a dull moment in the Campbell family. And uh um, we're really excited to um spend some time with you today, David. We're looking at Charles E. B. Cranfield. Charles E. B. Cranfield.
1: Cranfield was my uh doctoral supervisor in Durham. Yeah. And uh when I I mean I I had back in the dark mists of time, practically back to the book of Genesis when I was young, um <laughs> I uh was finishing a master of divinity degree in Toronto and I felt called to um, do a PhD in New Testament studies and uh, I had also a very strong uh, supernatural call um, Um, you know with sort of the signs uh, confirming to go to England and so uh, my um, sort of mentor at the time was a man called Richard Longnecker uh, and he is uh, quite a well-known New Testament scholar, very godly man, and uh, he recommended uh, Cranfield. Um, oh. His number two recommendation was Marcus Bart, who was the son of Karl Bart, who was a, <laughs> wow. a New Testament professor in <laughs> Basel. But I didn't want to um, go into a German-speaking environment. Mm. Uh, you Know in terms of, of uh, the possibility of maybe having to write a thesis in German,
0: wow, yeah, that's on my capacity.
1: Um, <laughs> I did have to teach myself to read German, wow. uh, although to this day I couldn't order a coffee in Stuttgart, <laughs> <laughs> I can understand done. German. Um, anyway, so I traipsed off and I had no clue where, where Durham was, mm-hmm. and if there's anyone in England. You know, listening to this, they'll have a laugh because I thought it was somewhere just outside of London. It was anything (laughs)
0: but.
1: Yeah, like saying that Perth is a suburb of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so, anyway, off I went and landed in September of 1977, Uh, and uh, I discovered that uh, there was two. Uh, well, very, very well-known New Testament scholars uh, at at Durham. I mean, t- there was more than that, obviously, in the theology department. There was two particularly renowned, one of which was was um, Cranfield, and the other was a man called C.K. Barrett. And Professor Barrett was a very outgoing, gregarious guy who had a very high profile, wrote all sorts of commentaries and so on, and had a a, a whole pile of research students of doctoral students um and cranfield had me and uh (laughs) this is a bit odd and then i discovered that in his entire career i was only the second uh phd student he'd ever accepted
0: no way that's amazing
1: and i i really was aware of the fact that god had opened the door Mm. Um, we negotiated for quite a while writing back and forth in terms of Mm. the thesis topic and he basically dictated it. It was something that he th- had wanted to do himself, but felt uh, he had a heart condition at the time. He was sixty-two, and he felt that he wouldn't live to be able to do it. In the event wow. he lived to be a few months shy of one hundred years old, so he could, wow. <laughs> yeah,
0: he would have been fine. Anyhow,
1: <laughs> so, but that's what God used to get me into the country. And
0: wow.
1: Um, and a lot of other things happened. While I was there, I wound up starting a church on the university campus. Uh, my wife, Elaine, whom you've met, was yeah. nursing at the local hospital. She came to the church, and that's how we met. And um, the church then, uh, and then we went back to Canada, and the church carried on and planted a number of other congregations and is still, you know, flourishing to this day, and we're there twice a so year awesome. still. So of so awesome. Wonderful. Tour. Yeah. Uh, so it was a there was a whole, you know, mm-hmm. cavalcade of things happened during that time. But um I I uh, didn't realize, you know, sometimes you meet people and you don't realize the impact they have in your life until afterward. Mm-hmm. And he was certainly one of those. Um, and I was I, I just God gave me the privilege of being able to see him again about wow. um five or six years before he died. He was well into his 90s. Uh, but he was you know, his health was declining, but he was perfectly lucid mentally, hadn't lost anything. And uh I was just able to say thank you wow. for all that you deposited into my life. And um he he um like Professor G.K. Beale that I've worked with, was mm. very concerned uh on the pastoral level. They were mm. they were uh scholars who are also pastors or at least wow. were not necessarily full-time pastors but they had a pastoral concern they their their teaching they wanted their teaching to impact people mm. at a you know at the at the congregational level so good uh, and and uh you know and mm. and that's what that's what kept i mean I, that sort of kept him grounded in the sense that mm. You can read commentaries, uh, and you know as well as I do, you can read commentaries mm-hmm. that are just a pile of academic information. Yeah. Um, the way I test a commentary is, uh, can I get something out of it that I can actually preach on? <laughs> That's great. If a person sitting there who may yeah. never have been to college or anything can actually mm-hmm. get something out of it that will impact their life. And Cranfield is yeah. like that. I mean, it requires a bit of translation. Mm-hmm. you you know um uh so does a lot of deal stuff you know but but if you're trained you can take it and there's mm-hmm. uh, there's real spiritual food in it so um, good
0: yeah
1: you know.
0: awesome well can you tell us maybe a little bit about cranfield and his life um what formed him spiritually how did he get into um the academy and all the things that he did what was his story
1: well, he had a very good education, uh, 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 although it wasn't, uh, in a, uh, it wasn't in a private school, which in England are called public schools, uh, <laughs> but he had a very good education. He started learning a, a Greek and Latin at a, a young age, which wow. in those days in good British schools, which were called grammar schools, um, you know, you, you can have that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, so he went, he studied at Cambridge, uh, is where he got, um, uh, master's degree. He got a bachelor's master's degree, um, and never actually did a doctorate and neither did Professor Barrett and Cranfield was slightly contemptuous of... (laughs) the need for a phd he he didn't really see it uh <laughs> see that it had all, all all that much bearing uh but um he he had brilliant command uh of the languages for a start so if you read his his uh his commentary on romans um which uh was the top commentary when it came out in the 1970s and I just don't think there's ever been anything written like it wow. uh and since and the reason is number one you know when he quotes the church fathers he quotes them in the original so if you can't read well. them, you're, you're out of luck
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, same with German he'll quote German in the original you know he's called Luther or somebody else and he just assumed that if you were a true scholar that you'd read mm. uh, at least that you would be able to read, uh, uh, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, uh, French, and German. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, how you'd have a reading knowledge of those languages. And so, uh, but he was, uh, a chaplain in the war, um, in the Second World War, he was he was a chaplain to German prisoners of war, wow. uh, and uh, he spoke German fluently. And I think that experience gave him enormous amount of compassion, mm. pastorally. And subsequent to that, he, uh, I, I don't think he actually ever held. He was raised a Methodist. And wow. at some point in his mm-hmm. university studies, he had a conversion to Presbyterianism. Wow. Uh, and from that moment on, he mm-hmm. had a very strong commitment to reform theology. He didn't have much wow. time for um, <laughs> Methodists and Arminians. And of course, mm-hmm. Professor Barrett was a me- raving Methodist. And was he'd <laughs> go around pushing all the time. And the two of them <laughs> had a kind of a, a rough and tumble relationship. Um, they were opposite. Uh, Cranfield was Presbyterian. Barrett was Methodist. Cranfield was left wing politically. Barrett was right wing politically. But Cranfield was ser- more conservative theologically, and mm. uh, and and so and 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 Cranfield was an extreme introvert, and Cranfield and 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 Barrett was a great extrovert. So uh, <laughs> they were, and they lived beside each other, just across the road from each other. No way. Um, so it was. Uh, um, but you know, I uh, uh, Durham was a happening place. Uh, I arrived in Durham, uh, and uh, you know, anyone that is listening to this that knows anything about New Testament studies mm. will recognize the name of Ben Witherington. Yeah. And Ben and I arrived on the same day. Ben and Aunt, his wife Anne and I we lived in the same completely unheated student accommodation. No. Anyone that, you know, lives in the north of England and, and, and there's no heat, it's dire.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: and, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he was very focused on a call to academic teaching and he has gone on to become, you know, one of the best known American mm. Testament scholars, mm. uh, he's still teaching at Asbury Seminary, um, even though he's a few months older, even than me. So, wow. uh, and 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 Ben was a Ben was a Methodist, still is a Methodist, and mm. of course that was part of Barrett's attraction. Mm. So, you know, um it was a kind of a Calvinist versus Arminian <laughs> <entrepreneur>. <laughs>
0: Did they have um, debates on campus? Did they did they do anything like that?
1: Well, well, I think they took pot shots at each other <laughs> yeah. and Cranfield certainly did in his in his uh, in his writings, um, because <laughs> Barrett had written a commentary in Romans as well.
0: Wow.
1: So, but yeah, he was, um, I went to see him the first time I went to see him. Uh, I, I was quite nervous and, uh, you know, I didn't know how this was going to go. And, you know, because he was very mm. sh- shy and introverted, mm-hmm. it didn't make it e- any easier. Of course, uh, yeah. But anyway, we sat in his room and talked and chatted about things and so on and what I was going to do. And at the end of it, I summoned my courage and I and I asked him, would you pray uh, for me? And he said, certainly. And I closed my eyes. When I opened my eyes after he said amen, he was down on his knees on the floor of his living room. Oh,
0: wow.
1: And uh, and it was quite moving, actually. When I went to see him a few years ago in his 90s, mm-hmm. I, I said, you know mr cranfield i when i first came to see you the very first day in the same room uh of his house in western hill in Durham, i said you prayed for me i said could i have the privilege now praying for you which i did when i left his house i was in tears actually it was very moving Mm -hmm. so you know um but he taught me a lot uh he had very very high standards um ruthlessly high standards, everything <laughs> I wrote come back, you know, <laughs> crossed out uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the page, it was so <laughs> discouraging. Oh no. One day I uh I said to him in frustration, a little bit of frustration, because he'd given me a lecture uh for about 10 minutes on <laughs> use of the word surely. Okay. So if I had written a sentence. Um, Paul surely said, mm-hmm. or you could write the sentence, surely Paul said.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: to you and I and any other average person, what's the difference? Yeah, because... But to is. Him, <laughs> there's a big difference. surely <laughs> Paul said was completely different than saying Paul surely said. And well, <laughs> I think that the gist of it was to say surely Paul said was putting a, a you were claiming much higher degree of certainty than if you said Paul surely said that was more modest way of putting it <laughs> anyway i got this whole thing and went, and very finally, pedantic <laughs> i said mr granfield i said i i, I i'm just uh, you know I, I i don't know exactly what i said but it's like you know you're picky but i didn't yeah. say you yeah, say you're picky but i said you know your 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 standards is it really necessary to put so much such minor matters. And um, he just looked at me very seriously. And he said, <laughs> David, he said, God created language for the purpose of the proclamation of the gospel.
0: Mm. We
1: need to be very careful in our use of it. And wow. he just looked at me. And I just said, well, yes, sir.
0: You mm-hmm. know, there's nothing I could say. Yeah, But wow. I thought
1: that was a revelation. How mm. profound was that?
0: Yeah, you know, where powerful. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, um his his view was that you had to be absolutely clear and he would think and ruminate. And if he was writing, mm. you know, a, a page of his commentary or something, he would go out on long walks and think and think and think until he got exactly right what he wanted to say.
0: Wow. So uh,
1: you know, some people, some scholars just sit down and write off the top of their head, it seems, and you know, they can be careless and, and verbose and whatnot. But if you read him, it's mm-hmm. obvious that he's pondered and thought about very, very carefully about everything he's saying. And wow. so to, you know, what Paul has to say, um, you know, he has a magnificent line, uh, mm-hmm. which I think I, I wrote down and sent to you, um, mm-hmm. which I can, uh, um, if I can click the right buttons here and not. <laughs> In our recording, uh, i'll um I'll read it off to you. He said this, and this is it this is in his commentary on Romans, where, you know, Paul says in Romans eight, he talks about Abba mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm. and he he just makes this statement, for to address the true God by the name of Father with full mm-hmm. sincerity and seriousness will involve seeking wholeheartedly to be, and think, and say, and mm. do that which is pleasing to him.
0: Wow, beautiful.
1: And uh, what can you say to that? You know, mm. that is, uh, what I can say to it is that I've lost your picture now, and I don't know how to get <laughs> no. that. You're back.
0: No, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> Great.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm going on here, rubbing on. And no. Just stop and let you no, this is so brilliant.
0: And before. and the fact, obviously, like with most any of our guests that we've had in the past um the people that we're featuring like nobody's known them so it's just wonderful to be able to have like insider insight into the relationship that you had um with Cranfield and him as a a person so I'd love to sort of move on from uh his bio just into what's he known for so you mentioned his um uh, Romans commentary. Are, th- are there any uh, big events or big um, works that he is known for, sort of throughout church history or um, in the academic world?
1: Well, you can imagine from what I've said that he was mm-hmm. very careful and took a long time to do anything. Mm-hmm. And again, by, by contrast with Professor Barrett, who wrote books till the cows came home, wrote <laughs> commentaries and articles and so on, Cranfield was fairly sparse. Uh, He devoted Mm -hmm. himself to writing an outstanding commentary on the Gospel of Mark. Wow. uh, was published by Cambridge University Press in a series where uh, CFD Mole, Charlie Mole, who was a good friend of Cranfield's and a very fine conservative scholar wrote. uh, He wrote the the parallel uh, commentary on uh, Colossians, I think. Uh, There were a number of them published. Anyway, uh, Cranfield wrote that And then he wrote his uh, two-volume commentary on Romans, Mm -hmm. and he wrote a book uh, titled On Romans after he retired, which was a collection of articles largely Mm -hmm. refuting what's now called The New Perspective on Paul, which was advanced by Cranfield's successor at Durham was a man called James Dunn, and Cranfield Mm -hmm. didn't know very much of him uh -hmm. and uh done along with uh nt wright and others Mm -hmm. uh, advanced a different perspective called the new perspective in romans um and paul's relationship with rabbinic judaism and so on which cranfield disagreed with part of one of the points of that was that cranfield believed very much in um in the the uh atonement involved the appeasing of the anger of god and that Mm -hmm. was very clear to him in his exegesis of romans chapter three uh whereas uh wright doesn't believe in that at all and Mm -hmm. uh so cranfield wrote a very densely argued book entitled on romans in which he takes all that apart so but he really didn't and 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 then he wrote articles Uh, Mm -hmm. He wrote a number of articles, some of which were devotional, actually, in nature rather than academic. But there wasn't a large volume of material because he was uh, more concerned at, well, you know, he would agonize over Mm. he wrote. And then when the International Critical Commentary was the the first commentary series in the English language, it goes back to the Mm -hmm. late 1890s, uh, the publishers who were uh, called t Clark, and Cranfield was friendly with the the last of the Clarks, mm. uh, and who were also, I think, rather eccentric uh, British people, although they, they lived in Edinburgh, but I think they were English. Anyway, um, <laughs> they decided that they would update the whole series, and Cranfield was the New Testament editor of that. Now, uh, only a number of volumes were ever produced. Professor Barrett actually produced a commentary on the book of Acts. Wow. And uh, uh, Davies and Allison produced a, a commentary on Matthew. And I think there were several others that were done, but but TNT Clark ran out of steam. They're very, very expensively priced. And mm-hmm. so the series didn't really take off, um, but he was the editor of that. And that's one of the things mm-hmm. that he did. And it, of course he edited. You can imagine that when Professor Barrett wrote his commentary and Acts and Cranfield was the editor. He took great delight <laughs> <of> taking his <laughs> to his adversary, his nemesis, just as much as he took his pen to me.
0: Crazy.
1: lived to be nearly a hundred as well. So there wow! Were, yeah.
0: Something yeah. in the water in Durham.
1: Something <laughs> in the water in Durham. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: Crazy. Wow. So, um, what sort of impact has Cranfield had on, uh? Academia and and New Testament studies and all of that sort of stuff today, um, and why should we um, as the 21st century church engage with his work, his writing? Um, what sort of legacy do you think he's left for us?
1: Well, I think he he had a pro- I I'm I think he understood Paul as well as anyone has since Calvin and Cal and and Cranfield cut through a lot of the guff. I mean, he said to me, "You don't need to quote from the latest Tubingen thesis." He didn't have much time <laughs> for that. He said, read Calvin, read Augustine, you know, read Chrysostom. He loved Chrysostom Mm -hmm. uh, and Luther and so on. And, um, uh, you know, so he had a kind of a grasp of the historic view of the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he felt that academic theology had sunk into a lot of navel gazing of everybody reading everybody else's theses and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and losing perspective and I think he had quite a profound understanding of Paul. I mean one example would be uh in his understanding of Romans chapter 7 mm-hmm. where Paul says, you know, I'm sold under under sin and you know who will deliver me from this body of death and the good mm-hmm. that I want to do I cannot do. His exegesis of that is absolutely profound. It's wow. it's absolutely profound and I think he demonstrated beyond the shadow of a doubt that Paul is speaking of, um, Christian experience. And of course that came wow. out of his perspective that he had a, a deep understanding of the seriousness of sin, wow. uh, and that you, you know, that on the one hand, we acknowledge the work of Christ and what he's done for us. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, we have to realize that in this life, um, you know, we're, we're dealing every day with a sin nature. And so his, mm-hmm. His idea was that you know, for the first time we have power to fight back. That's Romans mm. six. And he yeah, also, wow. in terms of, you know, you look at Romans six, which is slavery to sin, you look at Romans seven, which is deals with the law, freedom from mm. the law, and you deal you look at Romans eight, which is the life of the spirit. Um, and and he's he pointed out you have to read the three chapters as one. Mm. Uh Paul you know, is wow. talking about different aspects of the same thing, and you can't separate them. So you can believe that someone is sold under sin and can't do anything that they really want to do. They Mm. can't do it. But at the same time, you can also believe that the Holy Spirit has come and given us power.
0: Yeah, so good.
1: He had a brilliant insight um, in, you know, where it says in Romans 1, the just shall live by faith. And it can equally be translated. And if you look in the margin of the ESV, it'll say, the, he who is righteous by faith shall live. So that wow. you change the word order. Cause as you know, in Greek, mm. um, you can, you, the, the word order is a little bit fluid yeah. in, in yeah. It can be translated sometimes. So he, he translated it. He who is just or righteous by faith shall live. And then wow. he said, well, that's the structure of Romans, Romans 1 to 8. He who is righteous by faith is Romans chapters one to four and shall live is Romans five to eight. That's a Christian wow. life.
0: Very cool. And
1: he had brilliant insights like yeah. that, that. Put the structure of, of Romans. Mm. And then the rest of Romans is just an extended, you know, Romans nine, 10, and 11 is just an extended response to um, the issue of what is the place of the Jew that is raised in Romans chapter mm. two. And then he tacks on pastoral implications at the end of it. And there you have the mm. book of Romans. The other, wow. thing, the other interesting thing was where he talks about the Paul talks about the obedience of faith and Cranfield points out obedience is faith and faith is obedience. You can't yeah, separate it. Beautiful. And, and that phrase occurs at the beginning and end of Romans. And in a way it's a bookend, yeah. everything mm. in between, which is the entirety of the Christian life. So he had. A wow. Lot of
0: that's books. just, yeah. Mind blowing insight. Incredible. I love how the pastoral application of that is coming through as well, just in in the way that you're explaining it and the way that he frames it all. You can hear how that would very simply communicate to a congregation as well. It's really powerful. Excellent. All right. So, um do you have any quotes that you can share with us from EB Cranfield? Maybe some of your favorite quotes. Um well, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh I I think that the the gem was God created language yeah. for the purpose of the proclamation of the gospel. Beautiful. I remember him of course we had a political disagreement because he was sort of to the left <laughs> Yeah. and uh I I only I I keep politics out of my preaching entirely but um anyway i had a dis- what w- we had a discussion one day and it's a bit of chit chat at the end of a conversation or something and and i said it, you know because at the time he had a free mandela poster in in mandela was in prison in south africa mm-hmm. then he said you know free mandela poster in his window and uh and i said you know i i agree with that however what about the communist persecution of the church in Russia, which at that time, mm-hmm. around 1980, was terrible. Wow! And he looked to me and he said, "Well, he said, David, uh, the Russian communists don't understand what the gospel is. They have no real knowledge of God." He said, "But South Africa, the the white people in South Africa, have been given a relatively pure form of the gospel. By which he meant the Reformed faith, and he said they know the truth." And they're denying in the way that they act, so they're far more responsible uh, than the Russians are. Before God, and I thought he's right. He was right. Wow. He was absolutely
0: right. Wow, what a deep thought. Are, are there any um, sort of quirky things about him that you could share? I know you've shared that he's very uh, shy, very pedantic, but any, any other stories that you have along the, that sort of vein?
1: Well, he he, he wore black leathers. Sh- You know, he was typical of the Englishman of his generation. It was sort of tweed jacket, flannel trousers, black leather shoes, but he didn't wear socks.
0: What? Oh, that's definitely a quirky, weird uh, thing.
1: Like conservative, but no socks. And I thought, well, that's strange. That's so Um,
0: strange. And, you know,
1: like most Englishmen, again, I mean, he would have dressed that way every day of his life. (laughs) Didn't matter what, he was just going to the supermarket. He never drove. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mrs. Cranfield was a vivacious lady from Northern Ireland, Northern Irish Presbyterian with a very broad Northern Irish accent. Mm -hmm. And she was very outgoing and friendly and all the rest. (laughs) He was as outgoing as he was shy. And -hmm. they married when they were, um, he was about 40 years old. Mrs. Cranfield was quite a bit younger and they had twins. Uh, oh. Mary and Elizabeth, who were born when he was, you know, about 41 or something. Mm-hmm. And they were, uh, when I first went to Durham, they were just finishing high school. Oh, wow. And uh, he would write prayers with them every night. They would be oh. written out, Presbyterian style. And they both went on to be ministers in the Church of Scotland, both, wow. both of his-
0: Wow, that's beautiful. How powerful. Thank you, David. Is there anything else that you want to mention about Cranfield? Anything else that our listeners or watchers should know about him?
1: Uh, you know, if 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 you are uh, studying, you know, New Testament uh, mm. at any level, I mean, I just encourage you to get a copy of his Romans commentary. And you can get an abridged commentary. He did he did do a one-volume abridged commentary where he mm-hmm. laundered some of the technical stuff out of it, just like I did with GK Beale's Revelation, mm-hmm. which is wow. a bit easy to understand. Um, but it it's if 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 you want a commentary that's really, I think gets at the heart of Paul and expresses the heart of what Paul says, um mm-hmm. uh, the the bigger commentary, if you if you've got some Greek and so on, it's worth you know, you you will get something out of it, uh, wow. you know, real meat in terms of of, of preaching. So I, I, uh, when he died, uh, T Wright wrote an obituary and and paid enormous tribute to him as you know a mm. towering figure of his generation. And I think that um, he maintained a very conservative theological position. He wouldn't have been uh strictly down as down the line on biblical authority as we would be but he was very very much at the conservative end of the spectrum mm-hmm. uh and um you know very conservative when it came to paul there's there's the odd point where he was influenced by Karl Barth, who who was a mentor to him and and he was wow. quite close to Karl bart um in one or two areas that we wouldn't agree with. Uh, But on the whole, you know, you're getting the real deal. Mm -hmm. I think that when I get to meet the Apostle Paul, I think Mm -hmm. he'll be uh, tell me he was pretty pleased with the way that he (laughs)
0: feels. That's brilliant. Um, And David, you've got many books. Um, Would you like to just tell us a little bit about them? If anyone watching would like to um, dive into some of your books, what are they?
1: Yeah, thank you. I um <laughs> I wrote a book called No Diving. It's 10 yeah. issues where we mess the Bible up and how to put them <laughs> right. Uh it's bite-sized. I wrote uh, a condensed condensed super condensed version of uh, a commentary on Revelation called Mystery mm-hmm. Explained or Guide to Understanding Revelation that anybody can understand. Wow. I wrote um I have the last book that I published was a condensed version of my doctoral thesis, actually, which was on Paul's concept of Christian freedom. And it's wow. entitled Exodus, uh, the road to freedom in a deconstructed world. And I so I do good. try to make some of the things which are very Cranfieldian, if I could mm-hmm. use that word. Um, and that I translated them into a way that I think actually the average church member can understand and I so address good. Yeah, oh, freedom is a subject that is central. If you don't understand a biblical concept of freedom, and particularly Pauline concept of freedom, you'll get the gospel all wrong. Wow. And so I take it and I, I apply it to all sorts of different areas, not just to areas like law, sin and death, but to yeah. areas like citizenship, um, uh, marriage, uh, wow. church, government, uh, and I even wandered into, you know, pandemic responses, and because wow. I think Christians were operating out of a wrong understanding of freedom, and often in their response to the pandemic. So wow. that book is called Exodus, and Matt Chandler very kindly wrote a forward for wow. it, all they're all available on Amazon.
0: Awesome. I also a book
1: on suffering called Nightlight, which wow. is a number of people that I knew that had gone through extreme mm. suffering. They wrote their testimonies it's a very very powerful book wow. and i write a little commentary and teaching in between the testimonies and the stories so
0: wow it's kept, so, me, so it kept cool.
1: me out of mischief
0: yeah exactly definitely enough to keep you busy there well thank you so much for chatting with us today david it's been a true privilege to hear about your experience with cranfield and just dive deeper into him um thank you so much to everyone for joining us as well on the eagle and child podcast we'll see you next time bye Thanks so much for tuning in to the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.